Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan. He's Pat. We are back after a couple of weeks of hiatus uh, to talk about the recent free agent free agent acquisition sorry if i'm sounding crazy i already had a beer in my system and you know this is our friday happy hour podcast at least part one of it is um free agent acquisitions by the washington football team after about like what a week to 10 days of the 2021 free agency period so yeah we're a weekend something that in that general neighborhood um some of it went, I think, how we imagined, or at least one of the signings did. A few surprises out of left field. We're going to try to cover as much of all of those as possible. Um, definitely, there's plenty of things to talk about. But, um, Pat, I think the obvious question is, like, who is the headliner free agent acquisition? That that kind of goes without saying. Um, although you could debate whether it's the wide receivers, whether it's the quarterback. Um, general knee-jerk reactions after, like I said, whatever, however many days it's been so far. Um. Yeah, so also quick shout out to you. You're the co-founder and 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 the dude that keeps this thing running. This is our hundredth episode. One hundredth episode. If I'm we not were, mistaken, we were trying to have a, a much cooler guest than just Pat and I on this episode. We he said he would come. He said he would come. I mean, we're not going to blast him in case he has a chance to still come on. So like, we're not going to put anyone's name out there. Um, but uh, so we were trying to make that. But you're going to have to sell for the two of us in our 100th episode. Shout out to all our viewers for who's been hung out this long. Our few dozen who continue to listen to us in the most random places of all things. Like we see the analytics, and I'm like, you know, whoever the dudes are, like San Fran and Columbus and stuff like that, who are our fans, like. You guys are the real MVP. But that notwithstanding. Speaking um, of Columbus, if you're talking about Columbus, Ohio. Yes, Columbus, Ohio. What's up, Curtis Samuel? Uh, so you, you're talking about headliner. Uh, headliner for me personally is, is Willie Jackson, uh, like 100%. Good sign. Uh, he's, a, he's a fucking dude. Yeah. Um, my favorite signing so far, probably him. Uh, headliner for me is Samuel because – mostly because, like, we knew we needed a receiver. And one thing I really love about this class, and we can get into like, we can get into how they fit. We can get into like how good of a signing it was. But like one thing I really think Ron's doing really well is we are using free agency to address needs, which will free up the draft to go get some guys that like, like we'll probably draft a little bit for need, but like it gives us some flexibility to draft best player available, especially in the later rounds, right? Um, with like the tight end still a glaring need. Uh, left tackle still in need, things like that. But like attacking wide receiver, because it's not just Samuel, it's now Adam Humphreys as well. Um, I so far am like pretty pumped about our free agent class, which to be, if we're being honest, I put my burgundy shades on as soon as that season was over and was, and was like Super Bowl bust. Um, so I pretty much like everything so far, but the headline for me, I was sad when we lost Darby because I was like, damn, he, you know, he played really well. For us. Everyone was, a year was so optimistic about it. him him coming back, and I'm like, the dude's gonna cash in, man. Like, he can, and he did, you know, and he did. Uh, Willie Jackson though is like, I mean, he is a shut down corner. Uh, William Jackson is a better cornerback than Ronald Darby. He's a better corner. He got paid more than he got paid more than Fuller. Now Fuller's our number two, and it's like, holy hell! All of a sudden, our one thing I think that gets overlooked for last year. And maybe it doesn't get overlooked, and I just think it gets overlooked. But I'm going to stick with that take. Is we were vi- outside of Landon Collins, we were very healthy for the most part in the secondary. Everett was banged up here and there, but like Fuller He's played the up. last. Fuller played the last 14 games. Darby played 16 games. Moreland played 16 games. Moreau was always available. Like that, that quarterback position was healthy pretty much all year, and we, as a result, were able to have a pretty good. Like you and I both said in our in our preseason thing like quarterbacks kind of like could be a problem yep like because if one of them gets hurt we're fucked and they did uh, but they and they did it and we just actually signed another corner today from general Detroit. roberts I yeah i don't know anything about him to be honest with you Most i know he started know. a few games yeah i don't know anything about him. uh he, he takes Moreau's spot willie jackson's in there i'm very excited about the signing an upgrade to a position we were already fairly decent at uh and if it makes fuller our number two and gives him more flexibility to move around. I think Moreland played great all year, minus minus Tom Brady just torching him. But like he kind of torched Tom everybody. Brady, man. Yeah, he torched everybody. Exactly. Uh, I think it, it made a position that like 
I'm not going to say cornerback was our biggest strength by any means. Obviously, the DL is. But, like, it made a position we were solid at better. And when you start putting those pieces together in that defense, like, all of a sudden our defense looks sweet, except for one glaring weakness, which we can talk about later. Uh, As if we haven't talked so about that, for all of the 2020 season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Linebackers fucking suck. Safety's meh. Uh, but so far, free agency, I'm, like, really on board with what's going on, <laughs> which is ironic because in the last podcast, fucking Mark Bullock was like, don't sign Curtis Samuels. You already got Steve Sims. But, like, guess who's pumped about the signing? Terry. And that means he probably signs you long-term. And if that's the case, who cares? Not only that, but, like, it's it also very clearly, especially with the Adam Humphreys signing that you referenced, which we'll talk about, uh, it makes it very clear. Steven Sims, as the kids like to say, G-T-F-O-H, get the fuck out of here. Right? Uh, I was, I was going to fill it in for you. You know, punt, right? Yeah, like, punt, punt him. Punt good, him as far as possible. Good riddance. Do let the door hitches with the good where the good Lord split you. Like get just get out. Get out. Oh, he out. fucking sucks. Right. Uh, and I I know Mark was a little more bullish about um no pun intended about like you know him developing into something. And I'm like I know he showed gl- glimpses his rookie year, but like after last season, fuck that guy. Right. Like just dude. I I I've been right on a couple takes. I've been wrong on a couple takes. Here's a take I've been brutally wrong on. I was so high on Sims going into week one. I was like, dude, this guy's going to break out. Like, he had a great end to his rookie year. He's shifty. Just get him in open space. We're going to move him around a bunch. Dude, fuck him. He sucks. He's the, he was our worst receiver. I don't here. know what he spent the offseason doing. Worst receiver on a bad receiving core. Wasn't, it wasn't getting better. It, it definitely was not getting better at football. I'm going to counter you with, in, from my perspective on this, or my, my perspective on the free agency period with this. Everyone's like, oh my God, we killed it in free agency. And we did like, oh, you know, we just, we, we, we were like one of the winners and stuff like that. By no stretch would I call us one of the losers. But I think we approached it with a sense of pragmatism and diligence, which is not always welcome. Super Bowl for the fans. We're like, I mean, I, I'll be the first one to admit, like I was screaming from the, t- from the, from the mountaintops, like, Go sign Juju Smith-Schuster. What are we waiting for? Go sign Juju Smith-Schuster. When I thought he was, he was never leaving Pittsburgh, he was, he was never, never leaving Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. That clearly turned out to be the case. I was wrong. Um, it, it, I, I thought there was a mutual, going to be a mutual party of ways. It was definitely not the case. But I was like, go sign him. I was never like super duper like go throw a whole bunch of money at Kelly Galladay. Acknowledge he's a very very good receiver, but like I was not not what the Giants signed him for. And I'm going to talk about them in a second. So I fucking hate the Giants, but. Um, I was not like, you know, we should throw that money. Although we have said like back the Brinks truck up, but I probably would have been much more about that for an Allen Robinson um, situation. Oh, God, I wanted Allen Robinson so bad. Um, but to get back to the main point, I genuinely appreciate the strategic, well thought out, patient approach we're taking. Like Ron Rivera could have very well came in and be like, you know what? We made it to the playoffs last year, albeit at seven and nine. We made it to the playoffs. Let's duct tape together a Super Bowl run and try because we got, you know, to the first round of the playoffs and we went toe to toe for three quarters with the eventual Super Bowl champions, right? Like he could have very well operated with that mindset and he didn't. And I think that's extremely commendable that he considered the, what the team is right now and he looked at it from the big picture view as opposed to like i said just trying to strap it together which brings me back to the new york giants oh please talk about galladay <laughs> let's well let's just put everybody together galladay adoree jackson uh signing leonard williams to another big fat extension the giants do this every three to four years they spend 200 million dollars in free agent contracts every two to three years and every two to three years they find themselves with five win seasons but because they're new york and no one can ever say anything bad about the mara family because otherwise everyone's going to have their feelings hurt no one fucking talks about it they do the same shit every three or four years they go out and they blow their wad in free agency they get Dude, one they one- gave they gave Galladay. Like 18, nine 18 a year. Adoree Jackson, who is a very talented cornerback, but he's not translated. Jackson's guy? Always. Uh, no, he was the, the Titans guy. Or Titans, Titans. Too many beers. Tease, tease, you know. Like, they, do, they do this every few years. I was like, oh, the Giants. The Giants are up and coming. And like the Giants. And I'm like, man, Saquon Barkley may never be the same guy. Daniel Jones, we don't know who he is at this point. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. He's Maybe. not good. 
they still have problems on their offensive line despite doing that. I guarantee you David Gettleman's a fucking Neanderthal is going to do something really moronic in the draft, and I can't wait to see what it is. And they all they do is they're just they're they're pimping out their piece of shit car and they're putting like you know 20 inch rims on a you know Toyota Camry. It's pin my ride. Right. And like and then no one's ever talking about it. It just it chaps my ass more than anything else. The only the only move so far the Giants have made that I'm like, okay, that's kind of good move. I do like their signing of Kyle Rudolph because he's uh, past his prime and you brought back Evan Ingram who you can't use in the first place and he drops everything. Well, Ingram Ingram drops everything and the fact that Ingram is a pro bowler over Logan Thomas is ridiculous. Absolutely. And that says a lot for me because I'm not the world's biggest Logan Thomas guy. But like, Evan Ingram you know, going to the Pro Bowl was Super Spreader was great. It was a sham. My, but I do like the I do like the signing just because like Rudolph is solid that even if his foot's like six sixteen broken sixteen different ways. But here's my thing with with the Giants and versus Rivera versus like I'm gonna try to take what you just said and make it very simple because I wholeheartedly agree. One of the reasons why I think Redskins. Washington football team fans are so uh, like happy about it is in years past, as soon as it struck midnight of tempering period, or I guess previously just when free agency opened in general, because the tampering period is still only a couple of years old is like, we're throwing big bag money at somebody, right? Like Albert Hainsworth, Pierre was great, but we signed him like right at the strike of midnight. Like we, we always had some player where like, Agent called us. We said, here's the bag. Come come on. And the last few – really since the Bruce Allen era, like we haven't really done that. But we always end up like kind of signing mid-tier guys that aren't great. The thing that I love that we've done is like Rivera knew who he wanted. He wanted Curtis Samuels. He fucking tried to trade for him apparently according to every other outlet. Um, not surprised by the Fitzpatrick signing. The Willie Jackson signing, not surprised by now after Darby left. This dude, and it goes back to the fucking Gibson draft pick. This dude has a plan. He knows what he wants. And he's like, this is what we're going to do to do it. Curtis Samuel is the blueprint, I think, for what Rivera wants to do. Rivera wanted him, and he tried to get him. Couldn't get him, obviously. Uh, And then free agency opened, and what's the first thing we did? We did not try to sign him fucking immediately for the bag, right? Like you, you, you saw didn't these. Back the brakes stuck up for the receivers. Nothing. No, dude. The, his, Curtis Samuel's contract is great. Yep. It's not Two long. Years ago, it's it's yeah. It's not long. It's fairly cheap, and it's so he got three years. I think the last one's a team team option or it's three or four. Or, and I know there's a lot yeah, of avoidable money. It's not long. It like yeah, it's probably going to be like a twelve to fourteen million dollar cap hit, but like. It's not bad this year. The cap's going to explode next year. And the best part about it, this dude is really $8 million. He, his contract is almost half of what Galladay's is. And, and, he, and he's not ever been hurt. If you not look really. at the, what, like, the 12 to $14 million, like everyone was like, oh, my God, that's a spicy meatball. And I've said this a thousand times, and I'll say a thousand times more. That's the going rate of shopping in free agency. It's like going shopping on M Street in Georgetown and complaining that everything's expensive. That's the cost of what of doing business in that capacity, right? Like Galladay got eighteen million dollars a year, not because he's worth eighteen million dollars a year, but that's what it takes to sign a player of that ilk in free agency, right? And so, exactly to your point, that I would much rather have a player who fits our system, who stayed healthy, who doesn't have concerns about separation, and who knows what he's getting into, who has familiarity with the system that is entering for a cheaper price, versus taking the proverbial hail mary on Kenny Galladay. I will say, and I said this before with the podcast with Mark, I said it before the podcast with Mark, and I have said it in threads with friends. I would have liked to see, I would have liked to have seen Washington sign a true X receiver as opposed to a couple of slot guys in Curtis yeah. Samuel and Adam Humphreys. I know they'll make it work. I know. I think the, the counterpart to that, though, I think, the, I think if we had done this podcast yesterday before the Humphreys signing, yes. I think I would have wholeheartedly agreed with you. The Humphrey signing changed things to me. It changes. I still, we still lack the quote unquote size factor. And like, depending on how you feel about Cam Sims and we've discussed him pretty. I like Cam, but he's not, I mean, he's, he's not a. He's a fourth or fifth receiver at best. Right. I mean, he's an NFL player. Right. And he deserves to be on the roster and he's good, but he's not a stud. Um, 
so that's that. I, I, again, I don't want to poo-poo it. Um, William Jackson was the only re- corner was the only signing that was only out of proverbially left field, and it was it's excellent. A couple things about William Jackson. Um, uh, I think the only big knock, <laughs> only big knock against him was the fact that like he he's only intercepted three passes over the course of his career. He played for the Bengals. It's a little eyebrow raising. The Bengals were good there a couple of years under Marvin Lewis before like the bottom started falling out. I think there's a few layers to kind of dissect with William Jackson. I think the big thing that we people are not understanding with why, like if they're like, oh, well, if he's so good, why did Cincinnati let him go? Well, the current regime, I forgot who the general manager is now with the, the fucking kid who, the kid coach who coached. I have no exactly. idea. Did right? the Bengals sign Ryan Kerrigan? I'll be pissed. Because Kerrigan A should not be going there, I know. even though he'll probably start. And B, come home, Ryan. It, it, that's come it's home. a big thing because the Bengals have no edge rushers, right? Like that's no, the big but thing he's going to start there and he's going to take the money because he can. They can pay him. Ugh. Sorry, but the Bengals just... are turning over their roster entirely from everything in the Marvin Lewis era, and like it's one of those things where like when the regime comes in. I mean, we saw this with with he's going to sign there because he can start. He wants to start and he wants to play. They're like they they're they're cleaning house over there. They want to get their guys in, and I get it, and that's fine. I, it's not like oh, William Jackson. Yeah, but he's back. our guy. But he's our guy. Cut, they just cut Geno Atkins, who's one of the best players in franchise history, right? Or like they they're letting him walk. Or I think he's they're, they're parting ways with him. And I'm like, they're just basically they're like, look, we're it, we're it's our regime. We're getting our guys in, and I think that's one of the reasons why they did decide not to bring back Jackson. And their dismissal is very much our gain. One other interesting note. Ben Standig has alluded to this in passing two or three th- times, and it has raised my antennas every time he said it. He has mentioned the idea of Fuller playing safety in passing multiple instances. And it is there was conversations about it last last year too. It's in his skill set. Um, he just is, doesn't want to. I don't think he wants to. I think he's better at being a cornerback, frankly speaking, and I think he's more valuable at being a cornerback as much as I have a hard on for the free safety position and I would love to see us address you know pour good uh, resources into that uh, if anyone at uh, in Ashburn is listening Malik Hooker is a free agent and go sign him now I know he's had more injuries than you could possibly think of before he turned 25 I don't care he's fantastic go sign him even if he's 85% of, or 75% of what he used to be um, getting back on point which leads me to believe, even with the Daryl Roberts signing, who, again, he may be just a glorified body, although he's a glorified body that can run a 40-yard dash in 4.37 seconds, which is wonderful. He's, he, he's Moreau's replacement. And he, he, can, uh, he play, can play in the slot. He did that for Detroit and play on the, on the, uh, on the outside as well. Um, I still believe that there may be an addition there. Now, I know they brought back Danny Johnson. Danny Johnson's a wonderful teams guy. They can maybe go to six, six corners or whatever. Um, I, I still don't think they're done at that position, which means if there's another cornerback added, and we'll get to this a little later, um, you're now looking at cornerback, like valuable cornerback X, in addition to Fuller and William Jackson. I don't know if that's overkill, but that's really solid. And Moreland. And, 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 and the people's corner. And the people's corner. People's corner. People's right? corner. Don't sleep on him. Don't sleep on him. Uh, That's my guy. That, that instantly turns a position of question into a overwhelming strength, which then allows you to focus on the we are we, I think you're right. that is the linebacker spot. We're a depth, we're a depth signing of cornerback away from that being a fucking strength. Cause like our top guys are strong. I don't think our depth is great. And that's what I alluded to earlier. Like we were really lucky last year with everyone being healthy pretty much for the entire year. And to your point, nobody did talk about that fact. No one <clears throat> talks about that fact. No. But I'm telling you, we get a couple of depth guys in there. Look out. now. Adam Humphreys was another one that raised my eyebrows in a very, I'm pumped in, about Humphreys in a good Let's way, go. in a good yeah, way as well. I'm pumped about so, I, I'm a big believer in this concept where like you have like you're you're this up and coming guy, you know, on one team and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna go try my luck elsewhere and you go to another team and they they give you the money and they just have no idea how to use you. It happens all the time, it happens across every sport, right? And I do think that very much happened with Adam Humphreys in Tennessee. So he went to it, the wrong he went to the wrong team. The wrong team, team at the wrong was, time. Dude, their team, team the was time. give the ball to fucking Henry and then Play action and chuck it to Davis. Now, it, it, so all of this. So let's kind of get into that. 
in Ad- at Humphreys in his first four in his la- so he played his first four years in Tampa. He had a very strong progression in terms of his first four years in the NFL. All of his own Tampa. Who was his quarterback? His quarterback was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right? Hell yeah! Between 2016 and 2018, Humphreys averaged 65 catches for just under 700 yards and three touchdowns for a nobody quote unquote guy. 700 yards and three touchdowns a year. I mean, that would have been spectacular in Washington. Uh, as you alluded to, he cashed in a free agency. And I think what happened was that he got stuck there because they're like, oh, we have nobody in the receiver position. We'll just, you know, sign Adam Humphreys. Okay, but they didn't account for the development of Corey Davis. They didn't account for the breakout of A.J. Brown, who is a monster. He's excellent. And they didn't really account for the fact that Johnny Smith, Johnny Smith, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but it's spelled like Johnny, says Johnny. I don't know what it is. He's gone now. But he was also great last year. He ended up, I think, fourth or fifth in targets on the team. So it's like if you look at his stats, and like, yeah, well, he sucks because he only put up these, these numbers. It's just a numbers game over there because when you layer on the fact exactly what you just said, that on top of that, the offense is hand the ball to Derrick Henry, who is, you know, a, a demon yeah. of a running back. Yeah, I'm pumped on Humphreys. I'm going to tell you what. I think it pairs with the Curtis Samuel signing perfectly. So we now have speed at that position for days. All the speed. McLaurin, McLaurin and Samuel, like, good Lord, those dudes can take the top off. And what's going to happen – so we our offense with Samuels is, like, pretty positionless for all things considered, right? McLaurin, Samuels, dominate receiver uh, – or, like, the receiving court, not dominate receiver in general. You have uh, Logan Thomas. Um, and then you have Gibson, McKissick, and insert Bryce Love, maybe. I'm just staying away from Pace. I don't think Love's in the long-term plans. No, he's not. He's not. I'm just, I'm just throwing out yeah, guys still on the it. team. Still on the team. And what, what that allows us to do is, like, with the amount of motion that um, Scott runs, like, we can put these guys kind of anywhere, which allows us to be somewhat positionless. Humphrey's coming into the, the equation – allow Samuel to kind of do whatever he wants. Cause like Humphreys is going to be the slot guy when he's on the, when he's on the field, we're going to, I guarantee you he's going to be matched up with a linebacker. And what will happen is Samuels and, and Terry will take the top off. Then you have, I don't know if you're going to put this on YouTube, but I'm, I'm literally diagramming. This. You should, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you, you have Terry and Samuel staying the top off. You're going to have McKissick and Samuel kind of in motion going whichever direction. And all of a sudden the middle field is going to be wide open. The reason Logan Thomas was so good is because the middle of the field was always goddamn open. And whether it was a check down, whatever it was, he was always there. It's kind of almost a safety valve, and he was athletic enough once he got the ball, go up the field. How many times did we see him jump over somebody for an extra three yards? The problem has been, like, that was Sims or, like, Sims Jr. or insert no-name fucking Isaiah Wright. Like, I wanted Isaiah Wright to get a cool story, but, like, not an NFL guy. This is a dude – his last year in Tampa, he had eight, over 800 yards receiving, right? He's he's probably going to live with Fitzpatrick because Fitzpatrick's kind of crazy. He probably's like, come on in and, like, let's live together. Like, he's going to be the perfect slot guy. Humphreys and, ate in an offense that had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and Humphreys still got his numbers. Think about that. Yeah. And oh, this is kind of something that's been brewing. I don't really know how to say this out loud. It's some – I don't know if it's <laughs> – I'm just kind of scared this is going to sound racist. It's not meant to be, I promise. Cole Beasley, little white guy, fucking great slot receiver. Wes Welker, fucking insert insert little white guy that just scampers all over the field in the NFL. That's it. That's Adam Humphreys. It is not racist to observe a trend of instances that happen and just notice the common denominator. Okay, thank you. Because I've, yeah. been, I've been very scared to say that for a while. I but, get you. That's that's where my head was. I was like, we have this little guy who's just going to scamper around the field, you know, crossing routes. He's going to sit down in the middle zone for eight yards, get it, and then we're good to go. Imagine a three-by-one set where you've got McLaurin, Humphreys, and Sims, Cam, Cam Sims is the wide receiver, and Curtis Samuel is your running back. And you've got a tight end of Logan Thomas. That is a formation that can make defenses poop their pants at some level because it's like, what do you do in that situation? Well, it wouldn't be Curtis, it Curtis wouldn't Samuel be. and Logan Terry Thomas both run, both yeah. run like sub four fours. Our entire are. offense is sub four four guys, and that's another they thing are. That they can overlooked. fly. Or our entire and their and their college roommates and their best friends. Right. Uh, I I don't put as much stock into the best friends thing. It's a wonderful story, but it's not like you know. 
Oh no, I Beckham. Do, I do. I do for re-signing Terry. I don't care right. about production. I'm that. talking about re-signing. But like. What did Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry get you? Like they're the besties of all besties, and like that didn't get you a whole hill of beans or anything like that over in Cleveland. But that's neither here nor there. Terry is pumped, and that's all I really care about. I think Terry should be even more pumped because he's not the entire focal point of the entire of the opposing secondary. If I was Terry, on top of that, it's like yeah, I signed my boy who I've played with since high school. But it's like, but more importantly, the entire defense can't, the entire defensive back seven philosophy can't be beat me with somebody else. Besides, yeah. you know, me. The interesting, the interesting about our offense, so we have all these new weapons, right? Like, you and I both, I, I, I know I personally have been, like, standing on a fucking table to try to get this wide receiver position changed. And apparently Ron saw eye to eye with us because he was like, I'm going to go get mines in free agency real quick. We're still missing a tight end badly. Very like, much so. Very, very badly. Very much so. But you add in Fitzpatrick. And we haven't really talked about him yet. And I bring him up because in the last four years, his QBR has been better every single year than someone like Kirk Cousins. Fifth in the NFL in QBR last season. Fifth. Top yeah. five he's in been, the NFL he's in been QBR re- last year. He's been really good for four consecutive years. Last year, so last year, and I wrote about this on my Medium page, he was three and three as a starter last year. And like, you're like, all right, that's not great or whatever. He again, fifth in the NFL and QBR, he played really well. He only had one bad game in his first six. And that was the opening game against uh, new England. He had a three pick game. It was ugly. 190 yards passing. Not a good game. Next five really solid. I know Miami didn't win all of them. Miami is, or was, or is, or however you want to look at an up and coming team. He played really well. They had problems at receiver. Devontae Parker was a flash in the pan. Preston Williams, again, can't stay healthy. Gasicki hadn't developed yet or hadn't, you know, gotten, hadn't, like, started to emerge yet. They didn't have – I mean, their receiving core was almost as bad as ours, um, if not worse, honestly, because they don't have a Terry McLaurin. Um, and he was still slinging it over those games. And the only, 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 only reason that he got benched was because their stupid-ass owner saw the infatuation of Tua Tagovailoa going in with in a mop-up game in a 24-0 win over the Jets. And the fans started standing, gave him a standing ovation just because he got on the field. And he's like, you know what? We should start Tua now. It was the most ridiculous, idiotic. They missed missed the playoffs because of it. I'm a big Tua Tagovailoa fan, so let's not get it twisted, right? Like I I said it from the day he arrived in Tuscaloosa, this this guy's the best quarterback in in Tuscaloosa at the time, right? Before he even took a snap there. Jalen Hurts was taking the team to the national championship and said, that's great. He's the second best quarterback in Alabama. Um, So I'm a fan of Tua, and I still will say that this time that it was the most stupidest decision that because the fans responded positively – to a mop-up duty insertion of Tua that they should make him the starter. That's literally what happened. They took out a hot Ryan Fitzpatrick because the fans responded positively in the last five minutes of a game for Tua coming in for his rookie, like his rookie debut. It was idiotic. And it exactly to your point, it cost them ultimately what should have been a postseason burn. Dude, he's been good for a while. And I he's think been he, good ever since a stink bomb of a season he had about four years ago with the Jets. He's been very good after, and that's he's the had, Jets. He's had four. He, so I, I, before we got on this, I looked up his stats. In six of the last eight years, his QBR has been above fifty-eight. That's the low point. The one he has that one year with the Jets when it was like really bad. It was like thirty-eight or something. Even thirty-eight, by the way, fifteen points higher than Dwayne Haskins. Regardless, that's not saying much. Uh, He's been over 60 in six of those eight seasons. And remarkably, he's, been, he's had a top 10 QBR almost every year for the last four years. He had, a, he had, he had like one year when he was at 11. I can't remember if it was 17 or 18. Uh, Todd Munkin was the offensive coordinator there for Dick, Dirk Cutter. Dirk Cutter's a lousy-ass coach. But Todd Munkin was the offensive coordinator there. And for the first four months, uh, first four games of the year, first four games of the season, I should say, Fitzpatrick was like doing four touchdowns a game. Like he was literally unstoppable. He's he's he has the highest like tight window throw percentage according to PFF. He single handedly made Devontae Parker's career. Yes, and I mean like this dude is. So it's funny. There's like he he's more polarizing than Kirk Cousins because like I think oh. of. That's heavy. Not, not, I'm not, but I'm looking at this outside of our fan base. I know where you're going. Not necessarily our fan base. Our fan base, Kirk Cousins wins that by a mile. 
My point Kirk is, Cousins is more polarizing than Donald Trump in the in in, in the nation's capital. I, I'll, I'll go that far. I uh, I actually agree with you. <laughs> and yeah, no, I agree. The but my point is with Fitzpatrick is like you look at all these stats, you're like, holy hell, this guy's good. And then you watch him play, and you're like, this dude's fucking slinging it. And then he has an absolute stinker, or he has a game like against That's us. Mo. Or he has a game against us where he throws for 600 yards or whatever, but he also throws four picks, and they lose, and they score three points even though they, they, you know, gained a thousand yards against us. My point is, is like, there's a group of people that will say, "Wow, look at what Fitz does! Look what he does for the locker room! He's amazing." There's also the group of people that'll say, "He's on his ninth team. He's never made the playoffs. He's 30 starter. He's 39. He is what he is." You know. So he's a very polarizing and, and to be honest, like hard to read player. But I am all in on the signing. I mean, I, we could sign fucking anybody. I'd probably be all in. But like, I think this one in particular, I'll tell you what. There is no ifs, ands, and buts about this being a first date and that's it. And what I mean by that is like, we did not sign him long-term. He is not the long-term option. Everyone knows he's, there's no like, there's no like, oh, if he plays well, like, do you think we re-sign him? No. This is a one-year deal. Come in. We think we can be good. Like, let's roll the dice on you. If it doesn't work, I still have my dudes on the team, and I can cut bait with you. I think it's more year to year, right? Like, if he plays this year, it's like, all right, you're just auditioning for next year, and we'll keep you as long as we feel like you're a value. Yeah, but, like, we're not tied to anything. My point is, is if, like, if we had signed Cam Newton to a one-year deal, he plays well. Then it's like, okay, do we give this guy a long-term contract? No. This is – Fitzpatrick is a, like – it's a one-year, year-to-year thing. It's $10 million. We have the cheapest quarterback position in the NFL. We got a fucking – our D-line's about to be owed all the monies in the world. All the monies. And they're probably going to give a lot all to it, John, Jonathan Allen before the offseason's over. Yeah. So, like, we got to figure that out, and that's fine. He is a placeholder, and if he works out, we'll keep, we'll keep fucking bringing him in. And if he doesn't work out, guess what? We got Heineke and Allen for combined one and a half million dollars or whatever they're fucking making. It's funny you mentioned the idea of whoever they bring in, I'm going to be behind it. Um, I wouldn't have been behind Cam. That's the only one I, I don't think I would have gotten behind. I will publicly and emphatically say this, and without any sense of hyperbole whatsoever, if Washington signed Mitch Trubisky, I would seriously consider my fandom of this team. No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would. I honestly, no, yes, I would. That's how much I think Mitch Trubisky is a worthless NFL player. Like, like I, I there is a, not a universe where I can get behind rooting for Mitch fucking Trubisky. That guy is not good. Trash. That guy is like the water in the local city dump. That's like spewing around that hasn't gone down the drain yet. Trash. That's Mitch Trubisky. And there was serious consideration of us signing him. It was, it was apparently it was him or Fitz. And when that was in, like, uh, like a few smart NFL guys were like, I think Washington goes in the Trubisky direction. I, I seriously had to consider my fandom. I was going to go agnostic for the time being until Washington parted the ways with Trubisky, and then I can resume my fandom again. That's how much I hate Trubisky, right? But well, we, we didn't sign him. We didn't sign him. We didn't sign him. We signed no, Fitz Magic. We, we signed the most electric quarterback in the league. You you hit the nail whether on the head. good or, whether good or bad by the way. Fitzpatrick is he's I hate to use this cliche because it's said all the time about Ron Rivera, but he's very much the riverboat gambler, like as you alluded to, right? Like Dude, he's, he's gonna sling the rock around. He can get so bad, hot. But... He's the guy who's gonna walk off a craps table up ten thousand or down ten thousand, but it's one or the other. He ain't breaking even, right? Like he's yeah. either like you know he's either paying for your trip to talk about Vegas before the before our podcast started, or you're really down the hole. It's it's very much a four touchdowns or four interceptions, nothing in between type of outing for, for Dude, think about the year Terry's about to have. He's gonna be like Terry's triple teamed. He is Rex Grossman, but better. He's better, right? He's Rex Grossman, but like not as fuck it, here's the long ball all the time. Like it, he's it, also not quite as fat. He's trying to keep it a little more together, which I wish he'd get fat too, because if he had fat and a beard, I'd be all in. Uh, one thing about Fitzpatrick also, you, I think you mentioned this, or, no, you mentioned tight window throws, I think, but he's also that like, if he sees the read is open or like he hits his third or f- fifth step on the drop, 
and he's like, all right, this read is going to be open for better or for worse. He's going to throw it. He's not going to wait. He's not going to be Kirk Cousins where like, I need the air traffic control guys to like make, to like wave you in to make sure that this is the correct read. He's not going to be Alex Smith. Like, I don't know if I can get in. I can check it down again. I don't want to say anything that disparage Alex Smith. Alex Smith is a fucking warrior. Yeah. Right? But like, I think it's Alex Smith, but he held our offense back. That's it's a fair take. But it, our offense was very checked down, Charlie. And you know, we won games with it last year. We really did. I mean, JD McKissick eight, Lord Logan Thomas eight. You know what I mean? But yeah. um, it's going to be the opposite end of the spectrum. Like as as, as many people have said, if nothing else, they're going to be fun as hell to watch because like Fitzpatrick will sling it. Wait till we win a game. <laughs> I said this, and I was made fun of a, a pretty aggressively on a text thread. But I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it again live. Just think about the like NFL was it NFL films or like Showtime's NFL show when Chase Young is mic'd up and he's talking to Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick. after after throwing a touchdown. It's, it's like gonna double be, his age. Yeah, it's gonna be must see TV. They're gonna be just clowning each other. I can't wait. If we go, we're gonna be the most fun six and ten team or most fun ten and sixteen. Wait, time out. 11 and 16 or 6 and 11 teams. Oh, that's 17 right. They games. go to the stupid 17 game seat. Oh, and we're playing the, and we got the Bills on the road. Tough extra game. Uh, yeah, I don't want any part of the Bills, man. Hey, maybe we win. Maybe we win more than 10 games. Who knows? Uh, um, I'm all, point is, like, I'm all in on the Fitzpatrick signing because I think it does actually show, like, we think we can win right now, so let's try. But if it doesn't work, we're not tied to fucking anything. There lies the rub to me a little bit. If I'm going to be the pessimist on this, right? It's like, okay, I agree with everything you said. And I'm full of, I will, I will count the days, if not the hours for when Fitzpatrick drops 404 touchdown, 400 yards and four touchdowns on Dallas. Is don't, don't let Fitz get that Thanksgiving game. That's all I'm saying. Um, He's going to throw 800 yards on Thanksgiving. But you have to ask the question, what's the long-term answer at this position? Right? Well, like, we haven't had a long-term answer since fucking... Ever. Ever, right? Yeah. I mean, even where Kirk Cousins was a quarterback, we didn't have a long-term answer because, we, you know, we kept... We, we haven't had a long-term answer at quarterback since Joe Theismann. We haven't. Um, you could make the argument for Ripon or maybe... Uh, I mean, was Schrader ever considered like the long-term answer? He was, I mean, like, he he, but he, he didn't pan out, and then it went to Ripon. It wasn't like, my point is, him. yeah. Well, we haven't had a long-term answer since the seventies, or excuse me, early eighties. Since Sonny, yeah, Theismann. Since Theismann, Theismann. Since, since he's right here, he's hanging out in the zoo. I got a funny story about this jersey, by the way, that just happened. We can talk that off there. <laughs> we should. But still going back to the question, right? So, like, um, I think it's John Kime's been – he's been talking about this quite a bit. Ben, Stag, ben Standig has been talking about it a good amount as well. And they're like, what's more than likely going to happen is that Washington is going to use day two on one of their picks on day two. And uh, they have, I think, a second, a couple thirds. And maybe Mond, a Mond's been a pretty uh, big name. For Everyone's, everyone talks about Kyle Trask, and I'll talk about Kyle Trask in a second. But, like, every, Kellen no, Mond, a lot of people no, talk talking. No, 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 no. I agree with you. I agree 100% with you, and I'll talk about that. Fucking out on Trask. That makes two of us. Um, but my counter to that is, like, okay, let's say Washington uses, for the sake of argument, a second, and you go get Kyle Trask. When is the draft and develop – of a day two prospect worked in the NFL. Name me one. Day two? Like second, third round? Second, third round onwards. Name one. I mean, what, what's the qualification here? Because like You were I drafted couldn't... in the second round and you didn't start in any of your first four to six games. I mean what? and you eventually started for the team that drafted you. It's it's like none. Do you, do you want me to say Kirk Cousins? I was going to say it's Kirk it Cousins. A, that's it. Is this a, is this a bait? <laughs> right? It's Kirk Cousins, and that's it. So I think that's a – Tom Brady? Right. So you want to yeah. go back to years ago? Right? Brady's, yeah. Brady's the outlier in every quarterback category. In the every world. conversation whatsoever. And we've alluded to this in multiple cases that, like, when it comes to quarterbacks, you're either the dude or you're not the dude. And when I mean that, both from the production, the blue chip standpoint, but just overall, the talent standpoint, right? Like I, I've said this in multiple capacities that the quarterback position is quickly starting to emulate the NBA. That like, I don't care who you were. 
I care what talent and what raw skill set you're bringing to the table because the way coaching and play calling. So it's all about, it's all about future at this point. It's all about future. Like I have done a complete, complete, complete 180 on Trey Lance. And I will, or I will stand on the table and say that he's the second best player in the 2021 NFL draft behind Trevor Lawrence. You think he's better than, you think he's better than Wilson? Yes, I do. I th- and I Wilson's, love Justin Wilson. Wilson's Wilson can sling it, but Trey nuts. Lance's upside is enormous, enormous. That's the thing, right? And we've proven like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and those guys, as I've said a hundred times so far, like they have made me reconsider everything because it's like all we did was sit and nitpick. Like, well, you're not polished in this area, and you're not good in this area. And you're not a pure passer, and you don't read through your progressions. These guys are just fucking animals. And like, that's what it's, we're starting to realize in the NFL, you can get by with those guys. This trade that took place with San Francisco today, Kyle's like, give me Trey Allen. I mean, a Trey Lance and look what I can do with this dude. Wait, wait, hold your horses on this. I am very curious to see what. They're not taking Mac Jones. Dude. It's not Mac Jones. Get the fuck out of here. It's not Mac Jones. It's not. No, it's not not Mac Jones. So, so I agree with you. I think it'll, I think it'll be Fields. Um, it's not Justin Fields. Over, okay, it's Trey Lance. Okay, it's, I, well, I, I, can, we should we should bet on this just because I want to take the field versus Lance, not because you're right or wrong. I just now want to take the sure. field. Uh, but you start looking at Kyle Allen or Kyle. Fuck. Uh, you start looking at Kyle Shanahan's uh, track record. His his track record is like very statuesque pocket passers. John Elway. I know that's his dad. Right. Yeah. That's not even him. Right. But that's, I think that he made his career. He made his career on Matt Schaub. Yes, he did. He came over to DC and he came over to DC with with Rex Cousins and Rex. He got to, and he brought Rex everywhere. He got to a Super Bowl with Matt Ryan and he's had like limited success with Garoppolo, who's more fleet footed than all of them. Look, I agree with you. I don't think it'll be Matt Jones. I think Chris Sims is full of shit. But all I'm going to say is, like, that has to be a possibility because Shanahan's success so far has been with a quarterback that is a statue in the pocket. Kyle Shanahan's second-best single-season production was with Robert Griffin III. And none of the Shanahan's won. True. But he still created the system that unleashed – one of the best quarterbacking performances by a young player of the last. And he years. also saw, saw him last a year and then his career. Was over. True. But that's also because Griffin one rush to get back to is insecure about his job. We should, we should, and, we should bet on this just to take the field versus Lance. Look, I agree with you. If I could take one quarterback, I would take Lance too, for the record. Mostly because I knew, I know we could never take Lawrence. Uh, I like Zach Wilson. Don't trade. get it twisted. I like Zach Wilson quite a bit. I like him quite a bit. But I, I would take. I, I would, would not fight Lance you as. Our, a, I would take Lance for our system over anybody. I will also say that if you want, like, if you're the Jets and you're like, I need a quarterback to start tomorrow, go get Zach Wilson, who he is going to be the second overall pick. Let's not get it twisted. Like he's that's got guy. a fucking can. He's got a hose. When Daniel Jeremiah, who is pretty smart with these things, says like, "Look, dude, baby Aaron Rodgers, like that's just the best comp for him," and I'm like, that says something, right? That guy's hose is a. Oh God! He just right. his pro day today. He was throwing the ball around today. As long as he can hold up, he measured at six oh two, so six feet. So he was six two and about two hundred fifteen pounds, which is plenty. Um, but it's also about Baker Mayfield size, although I don't think Mayfield's that tall. Um, Baker's a shrimp. Baker's like five fucking ten. I think he's six, but like same thing, potato potato. Um, maybe five eleven. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't fight anyone to be like, if you want to say Zach Wilson is like the second best quarterback in this draft, I'm not going to fight you for it. But, and I also will tell you one thing that I think Trey Lance is going to need at least a year. Like in an ideal world, he gets the Patrick Mahomes treatment. That you never happens. should go happens. to Atlanta, sit behind Ryan for a year. I thought that, so that was the, when the first thing when that happened today, I was like, San Francisco jumped up to three to cock block Atlanta. Cause I, I would have bet any sum, any sum of money that Trey Lance goes to four, falls to four and he sits behind Matt Ryan for a year. I would have bet any sum of money on that, any sum of money. Like, and, uh, and San Francisco deliberately, like there was that report, I think Schefter said, whereas like San Francisco started sniffing around to five. And Did you see four. the report that the Eagles tried to trade up to three today? To get Zach Wilson, right? To get Wilson? 
Yeah, which and, like they, they they know fucking what's his name sucks. Shout out to all my Philadelphia fans. They're telling me about Jalen Hurts being the second coming. They 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 everyone in Philly knows he's not good. Right. That's uh, the, the thing with the thing with the Sudfield tanking is like go look at Hurts' numbers before Sudfield come in. They're equally as bad. Uh, the thing that I, I was taking a second look at at, at things. Um, the only thing I will say is that. Philadelphia trading back to 12, depending on the way things shake out, they could still be in position to grab a nice player at 12, which um, leaves me okay. Okay. not happy. I think, I think the Eagles say royally fucked it. I'm not an Eagles fan. I obviously hate them, but as an objective football fan, they were in position to take a fucking premier player. They were drafting what sixth overall, yep. seventh overall, whatever it was. They could have, they could have gone and taken pits. They could have gotten. Fucking, That's the one guy that they won't get, obviously. Now, definitely not. Right, which is with our linebackers. Thank the Lord. Amen. And then they, they traded with the Miami. Best, they traded with the Miami. second best player in the draft. Second best player. Yeah, I I am not going to argue with you. I, he's yeah. a generational talent. Uh, uh, but they traded back to, with the fucking Dolphins. The Dolphins now have four first-round picks because of Larry Tunsil. Great mm-hmm. trade, by the way. They have now turned that into four first-round picks. They were 10-6 last year. They clearly have a blueprint of when to win and how to win. So you're you're trading back six spots and losing out on potential generation talent just to get an extra first-round pick that may be in the late fucking 20s? Dude, bad trade. Also, you're trading six picks back for a late first-round pick in another different draft? Next year's draft, which, as you said, Miami could be a 10 or 11 win team next year. Like, what are you doing? I will say two parts. You're, you are correct in the sense that Miami, I mean, excuse me, the Philadelphia definitely walked away from Kyle Pitts, probably a Jalen Waddle, probably, but not definitely a Micah Parsons type player. What walked away from there? I will say that the thing that scares me is that Philadelphia could still walk out of this draft with Devontae Smith. And that bothers me quite a bit. I, I would not. He's 170 pounds. I don't care. Devontae Smith was fucking unstoppable last year. And it, it, that, that guy was a. I, I wouldn't. And he I, really I, next to Jalen Rieger. We've talked about We've talked about this before. Like, he, from a pure athletic and pure, like, player perspective, he's everything you want. He's a stud. 170 pounds in the National Football League is dangerous. Yeah. You know, he goes talk- over the middle one time and gets crushed. He's dead. We talked about it, but he compares really similarly to Cal- what Calvin Ridley brings to the end. Brought they're very very similar. Although Smith is much more polished and productive than than Ridley was in college. Um, another conversation for another day. But that so getting back on point. Um, we we on the Trey Lance segue. Oh, um, I don't think like the idea that Washington is going to take this developmental guy as the quarterback of the future, I think is, is, is a devil's folly. Like let's just call it what it is that we're the one position we are duct taping things together for a run is with the quarterback position. But to say that like, Oh, we'll just go get Kellen Mond or I don't know who else, I haven't really taken a closer look at some of the other quarterbacks. It hasn't really been worth my time to be honest with you. I'm like, look, it's, it's not worth it. Like that. Let's not, let's not put any eggs in there. Fitzpatrick's our guy right now. Let's enjoy the ride. And we'll, we are kicking the can of the long-term quarterback down the road. Yeah, I mean, we are. I, you know, like it or not, I just don't think we would have made – we wouldn't have – any quarterback <coughs> – excuse me. Any quarterback we would have gotten, we would have had to sacrifice the future to get. Like, we're oh, yeah. 19. We're not, we're not in a position to trade up. And there's no quarterback available to really go get – I mean, we, we tried to get Stafford. Right, we Very apparently so. try to get golf too. Thank God, that didn't work out. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, Watson. Yeah, yeah, let's not talk about yeah. that one. Let's, that's yeah, a, that's, a other, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Uh, my point is, is like, I don't know what else Ron could have done. He no, needed to not, make no a decision quick, and we did it. And like, yes, it kicks the can down the road, which. We all want this position solved for now. But the way I look at it is with the with the D-line contracts coming up, and now it needs to be paid not tomorrow. It needs to be paid fucking right now. Uh, with the, with the uh, cap about to explode again, like, I just, like, I don't know what else we could have done. 
and as I see it, Ron's like, look, I got a team that can win right now. I need someone that can maybe move the needle. And Fitzpatrick was the best available option to do that. This I do not- think, I do think we went after Mariota, but like Bullock talked about that in our last podcast. But like we could, we can't wait to see if that happened. And sure enough, what happens? They restructured his contract, and he's he's staying in L.A. Like we couldn't wait around to see what happens with him, so we went yeah. after Fitzpatrick when we got. And there is an argument to be made that Fitzpatrick might bring you more immediate value than Mariota does. There's absolutely, you know, um, let me be emphatically clear that I'm not criticizing Rivera for, he was for the position, the decisions made at the quarterback position. I think we are very much in that no man's land purgatory. where like, we're not high enough to go get a quarterback and we're in a, we're in a situation where like, it's not, you can't just go pick one up from Walmart. Right. Um, man, I wish I want to, I want to stay on the draft and maybe end it there real quick because there's a couple of interesting things that, that the current moves will then lead us to. So um, I think you have to probably take wide receiver off the table um, from the draft. I didn't think it was really a high position of, um, of likelihood, given that the big three guys, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith were like more than likely to be gone by the first 12 to 13 picks at worst, right? Kyle Pitts, obviously not happening. I, I strongly do not see Washington trading up. I would be very surprised if that happens, but you never know. Only up for trading up if we go get like a stud quarterback. And quarterback. That's not happening. Yeah, quarterback. That's, that's happening. it. Um, so the, as of about two to three weeks ago, the consensus was everyone was kind of picking a, a, an offensive tackle to Washington. And USC I, dude or Darisaw from tech. I would still say as of today, as of today, that's a very high likelihood. I've kind of turned based off the, if you read the tea leaves and from start listening to the conversations of smart people who cover this team, that seems to be where they're headed towards as far as their prioritization. It's actually a little surprising to me that they're not going as much on linebacker, but that could be a function of the fact that they don't necessarily see anyone um, that they like. I've actually, I've actually, so I've, I've, I'm in the camp of taking a tackle or linebacker. Otherwise, I'll be mad based off our draft pick. <laughs> uh, I like, I, I want them to take best player available as always with the draft, but like, I just, I see a world where. We're going to have either a stud offensive tackle that's there that we can plug and play, or we're going to have a stud linebacker there who can plug and play. And right now, linebackers are in the weakest position. So we'll... I will double down. So, like, I think um, people starting from Daniel Jeremiah to Ben Standig to other people have linked Virginia Tech's Christian Derrissaw to Washington. And I say this about, sick. with zero sick. semblance of homerism. I think if Derrissaw is on the board at 19, I think Washington takes it. Like, I will say that as of today. Obviously, That'd be sweet. Things are very subject to change. And I wouldn't be opposed to it whatsoever. I don't know. I will emphatically say that Christian Derrissaw is not going to be on the board at 19, barring any major changes. You've been saying – you've been. I'll give you credit. You've been saying this for a little – He's not going to be on the board. Midway through. If you but look at picks number, number five at Cincinnati through number not, number 18, Miami at number 18. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like picks 12 through 18 that I'm worried about. It's – there's – at least five teams that need tackles. And Penny Sewell might be there. You never know. Sewell's going at five. Like he obviously he's going, he's going to Cincinnati. I know. But like, so you've got you got the dude from North Northwestern, uh, Slater. You've got um and then you've got Derisaw, and there's somebody else I'm missing in terms of the t- in the like in the top. The USC the kid. Yeah. So he's a swing tackle. I think he's gonna go very, very high. Uh, Vera Tucker, right? I think Mark Bullock talked about him a little bit as well, right? So I think he's going to go very high. But again, I think there's at least five teams who are very, like, if nobody else, um, Minnesota's very much in the mix. Miami's potentially in the mix. Although Minnesota's I almost guaranteed. It's every single mock draft I've seen, Minnesota's taking a tackle. And I guarantee you that the Chargers, unless they shock everybody, are going to take one. Chargers sitting at 13, right? So that's that. Chargers, Chargers definitely taking quarterback. Quarterback? I <laughs> wonder what crack you're smoking. Um, but th- that, that's a crack I'm smoking. Oops. So, yeah, so I will say this. But, and then the other point I want to leave on um, a player who. I have, one, I have one question for you before we leave. A month ago, if you told me he's available at 19, I would have told you you're completely and utterly full of shit. But given some recent circumstances, I think he will be. And I saw somebody connect him to Washington. And again, I promise you, I'm not saying this is a homer. I'm saying this from a purely objective football fan. I believe Virginia Tech cornerback Caleb Farley could very well be there at 19. 
And if he is, I would be a very strong proponent. Dude, his surgery might drop him to the fucking second round. Exactly. And I, I, there's somebody connected the two, and I was, that was another thing that kind of caught my eye. Um, Farley's off the charts talented. He's a little raw, but he's really, 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 like a lot of potential, a lot of talent again. And um, could, also, could also sit and wait a year or two behind exactly. Fuller and then be a stud. So there is that option. Um, I will. You're just, you're just you're just pushing hokies over here. I again, I try to stay away from <laughs> from homerism and that. I'm just kidding. But like, but like, I I legitimately believe it's a thing. Somebody, um, I think it was Lance Zierlein. Apologies if I mispronounced his last name. Uh, connected my guy, my my true guy, the one who I have the draft boner for, Zayvon Collins, um, to okay, Washington. You just, his last mock draft and i was like that's my guy like if you told me okay. like, like who can i take that, that that's my dude who's li- li- realistic okay so so now i know that you're dude this might not be a great question but i gotta go soon yeah with this idea in mind i'm very much so one of the things i love about rivera right now is we're clearly addressing needs through um through free agency which i think is like what we should do for the record like Roberts and, and uh, Jackson quarterback, Fitzpatrick quarterback, uh, quarterback, and then you have Mayo came in a linebacker. That Larson dude, you know, adds some. Um, hopefully that means, hopefully that means Wes Martin's gone. Uh, even though they're different positions, doesn't matter. I just get the fuck out of here. You're you're picking at 19. Your boy Collins is there. Okay. On the flip side of that, Parsons falls. And you have a lot of off-field issues with Parsons, Micah Parsons from Penn State. But it's a top-five talent. He is, regardless of how crazy your off-field human being is, his talent's off the charts. So you have like a, you have Collins or you have um, Micah Parsons. Uh, Parsons. Who you take? My gut and my bias will both tell you is even Collins, and here's why. Both. Micah Parsons is stupid, 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 stupid talented. Let us not get that confused. He is off the charts, whatever chart you want to talk about. Freak. Off the charts talented. The word maturity comes up time and time and time and time and time and time and time again in terms of the questions Marcus with him. We just got through the Dwayne Haskins fiasco. It is fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. We cannot put ourselves with a building block player like this in that situation. I would rather have the B plus player who is all football, all intangibles all the time versus the A plus player who can't get his shit together. And very smart people, people very close to him, uh, particularly Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network who has known uh, Michael Parsons since high school said on multiple instances, I question, this is almost a verbatim quote, I question his maturity and how he'll be able to hand up after being handled millions, handed millions of dollars. That is a glaring red flag to me. I cannot invest that much money and that much level of draft capital in a player where that red flag, given the fiasco I just got off with Dwayne Haskins, I can't do it. Can't do it. I like it. I like it. I, like, I, I, I asked because, like, I honestly don't know the answer. And, what, like, at 19, is the risk worth the reward at that point? Like, you just take the shot at the top. I mean, Collins – or not Collins. Uh, Parsons' talents through the roof. Collins though is like he's kind of a throwback linebacker to me. He's like a big dude who can he can fucking run too. Big run, he's a three, big he, linebacker. He's a three, down, he's a three down. He's a three down linebacker. But like, do you take the pedigree and the big school over the like kind of? I mean, Tulsa's tiny. D1 Penn State is linebacker. You right? Like, let's not get again. Let's not get it twisted. Um, if Parsons is an average intangibles guy, average, I'm not talking about, he doesn't need to be a road. I mean, he's got, he's got, he is in the middle of a lawsuit. Plus he's got other off field issues going on. If he's an average guy, he's one of the best five linebacker, one of the best linebacker prospects we've seen in the last five to 10 years. Easy, easy. Right. But he's not. And I can't. Well, I'm glad you're in on Collins because that's who I want us to pick. If Darisol is there and Collins is there, I say take Collins. And that, that goes back to need, which isn't probably the best way to draft. But I just I, – I think Collins could just be a record in our defense. If I'm picking, I'm picking – and those two, Darisaw and Collins are there at 19. If I'm picking, I'm taking Collins. But I believe this regime is taking Darisaw. 
at that point, you're splitting hairs. Right. So, anyway, Pat, I'll let you dispose. I know you're up against the hour. Um, I'll go ahead and bring it home from here. Uh, thank you for everyone who's listened to our 100th episode Friday happy hour extravaganza. We'll leave, we'll leave some stuff on the table for up, upcoming uh, podcast episodes, especially as draft season comes um, closer and closer. We're like, we're like literally like 40. We're a month away. Yeah, 40-ish, maybe less days away. I think so we're probably, legitimately a month away. And if our guests... If our guests line up, hopefully we can, you know, get a squeeze another episode out. But until then, we'll hopefully we'll at least catch up with you once before. Um, but otherwise, we'll talk to you later and keep an eye out for hopefully cooler things to come. In addition to this, me and Patrick talking all the time. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.